1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll, I'm the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com, and we're here for part two of our last chance you break down. And no like I said yesterday, we are not talking about the Netflix Netflix series last chance you. We're talking about Notre Dame being last chance you and the last chance for some veteran players on the Notre Dame offense to make an impact. Consequences could be if they don't make an impact, they get passed up in the depth chart. If they do make an impact, some of them especially, it could give this Notre Dame offense a chance to be very very good in 2021 and we've seen this quite a bit in recent seasons last year we saw Javon McKinley who had I believe 12 career catches coming into the season steps up and has a big year for Notre Dame we saw with Tony Jones Jr. who had who was on pace for over a thousand yards before he got hurt in 2019 but he still had over 800 yards averaged six yards a carry had a really breakout final season after being a backup his entire career we saw with Dexter Williams who never – I think never had more than 300 yards in a season or only once had more than 300 yards in a season, rushed for almost 1,000 yards despite missing four games. It was a big, big part of the 2018 season. As was Miles Boykin, who came into that year with 18 career catches, had a breakout season, went on to be a third-round NFL draft pick. We saw it back in early in Coach Kelly's tenure as well with Jonas Gray in 2011. We saw Mike Golick Jr. in 2012, Ben Koyak in 2014 – guys who either didn't live up to the hype or guys who were just backups behind good players and and their for most of their careers. And then when they finally got a chance to step up and shine they stepped up and, and got the job done at a high level. So there's some very intriguing players for Notre Dame in 2021, and we're going to focus on players that are actually going to be participating in the spring because this is a focus on, on spring breakouts and guys that have this last chance in the spring. And if they don't step up the spring, then the opportunity to go make an impact in the fall is going to be significantly less. And for some of them, it may not even be there. So, for example, we won't be talking about Kevin Austin. Kevin Austin will not be participating in practice this spring. We won't be talking about quarterback Brendan Clark, who, again, won't be practicing this spring. So we're going to focus on guys who are healthy and going through the spring. And the first guy is very intriguing, and that's Braden Lindsey at wide receiver. And the reason I say he's very intriguing, because Braden Lindsey could easily get passed up on the depth chart if he, A, can't stay healthy, or B, doesn't step up his game. That's the negative side of it. The positive side of it is if Brayden Lindsey can finally be healthy and play a full season, and he, he doesn't have to play 60, 70 snaps a game, if he can just be out there and be part of this team and, and play his game, he's a game changer for Notre Dame. And, and we saw that in 2019. He only played about half the year, mostly because he just was a backup early in the year got bank little little minor things in camp so he was behind the behind the eight ball a little bit started the season off slow finally got an opportunity that year to step up and he had I believe 24 touches that season that's it and on those 24 touches he had gains of 70 61 52 51 43 24 and 24 yards we saw him make plays on post routes just using straight speed we saw him outrunning the defense across the field for a big gain against Stanford just on a simple drag route where he just outran everybody. We saw him on a reverse go for 50 yards against USC for a touchdown. We saw him go for 61 yards on a jet sweep touchdown against Boston College. We saw him against New Mexico catch just a little screen pass behind the line, make some guys miss, and then use his speed to get into the end zone. So we saw him make a difference with that speed in a lot of different ways. And the interesting thing about Braden Lindsay, Lindsey, when you think about you know, a guy that has struggled to stay healthy is Notre Dame doesn't need him to be Chase Claypool or Will Fuller or even Javon McKinley, a guy that's out there for 60 plus snaps a game, a guy that you're go, quote unquote, go to player that, you know, you want to get six, seven, eight catches a game and he's going to rack up 76 yards like Will Fuller did in 2014 or even 65 yards in 2015 or, or, you know, like the season Chase Claypool had in 2019. He's, he, they don't need him to be that kind of guy. Because Lindsey's speed is such that, and his versatility with that speed is such that he can he can do damage with less, and that's the enticing thing about both Braden Lindsey and Chris Tyree and what they bring to the Notre Dame offense in that their speed is so dynamic that you don't need them to be the the primary focus points of your offense in from a volume standpoint. So. In order to get Chris Tyree going, you don't have to give him 20 touches a game, which then takes away from Kyron Williams. It's about using them together and making sure that Chris Tyree doesn't just get two touches like he did plenty of times last year. You know, get him seven to 10 touches a game. You have to get him seven to 10 touches a game. With Braden Lindsay, you have to get him four to five touches a game. And the unique thing about him compared to some of the other receivers on the roster is take Jordan Johnson, for example. Let's say Jordan Johnson breaks out the way that we think he's capable of. Former top recruit, top 50 player on my board. I think he should have played as a freshman. All all the things we've talked about with Jordan Johnson on this channel. If they're playing Alabama in the playoff and Alabama says, we're not going to let Jordan Johnson beat us. The reality is they can stop Jordan Johnson from beating them. They can simply focus their coverage in such a way that they can take him out of the game. It's not that difficult if you're willing to commit enough resources to it to take a player, a receiver out of the game. You just focus your 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 coverages and you double team them and those kind of things. So that's not that difficult. The The thing about a guy like Braden Lindsey is it's harder to take him out of the game because you can focus on, hey, we're going to double team him and stop him from beating us with goal routes and post routes and things like that. But you can still get them jet sweeps. You can still get them screen plays. You can still get them reverses. You can still do all those kind of things. And on top of that, if Braden Lindsey comes out, especially early in the year, and he's able to rip off some big plays, when he's in the game, as a defense, you have to focus on him. You have to be like, hey, look, there's number zero. We got a key on him because he can do some major damage. And then what that does is you can then use him as a decoy more than you, than you have in the past, which means... You know, run him on a on a jet sweep fake or a reverse fake. Cause if he's running a reverse track and you're handing the ball off on a stretch play, there's gonna be second level and third level defenders that are gonna have their eye on him, which you only need one of those guys to to kind of peek on him a little bit longer than he should, that to open up an opportunity for your running back, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, to then rip off a big play. You can use him to set up a screen play. So if you've got trips to the right, for example, and you've got Brayden Lindsey as your outside guy or your number two guy, you can run a fake screen where you pump fake. That safety's going to have to be concerned about that, and that opens up an opportunity to maybe run a guy on a pump fake in a, in a wide fade route, something like that. There's all types of enticing, exciting things you can do with him to get him the ball, and then there's things you can do if he steps up and makes the plays you're capable, you think he's capable of. There's things you can do with him to sort of fake out the defense and then open up other things or just get the defense to pause. And the way that Notre Dame is up front, the way they are at running back, if teams are at all hesitant because they're worried about Braden Lindsay, then that's just an opportunity for you to just really rip a team apart. And, and that's kind of the that's the kind of game changing aspects that Braden Lindsey brings to the game. He's the kind of receiver that when he's on the field, he may only touch the ball once or twice in a game, for example, because of you know, whatever the, the game just doesn't get him there. But if you use him correctly with just your overall weekly philosophy, he can still have an impact in the game. And that's the kind of guy you need. You need more guys like that, and that's what Braden Lindsey brings to the game. Home run speed, he's, he's a game changer. People talk me he doesn't catch the ball well. I don't know where that comes from. I've never seen Braden Lindsey drop a pass in a game uh people used to say the same thing about will fuller i i don't care he's caught every ball that's been thrown to him at notre dame that i can remember uh he's definitely caught every deep ball that's been thrown to him and again he, he's got good enough hands to catch a reverse and catch a jet sweep and those are the things that i care about so he's a guy that to me has a chance to be a a, a legitimate difference maker game changer and if you can get brayden lindsey going and if you can get Chris Tyree going and you can make those two guys become more of a focal point of your offense, not so much from a volume standpoint, but from a game planning standpoint, where you say, hey, look, if we come out of this game and we haven't tried to design at least seven to 10 opportunities for Chris Tyree to get the ball and at least three to five minimum opportunities for for Braden Lindsay to get the ball, hopefully more because he's not always going to get the ball in those situations, then we're not doing our jobs as offensive coaches. That's, that's kind of where they need to be. In Chris Dyeri's case, I think he's earned that and he's shown that he can be that guy. In Braden Lindsay's case, which makes this sort of a last chance thing, I'm not actually blaming the Notre Dame coaching staff for why Braden Lindsay hasn't stepped up. Braden Lindsay's got to earn that right by being able to stay on the field. Here's the challenge you have as a coach. You're going to invest a lot of time in, in certain players. You're going to establish your, hey, here's our rotation. Here's the guys that, that we believe are going to play for us. Here's here's our top playmakers. You establish that in fall camp. And good coaches will go into every game, and I hope the Notre Dame coaching staff is doing this on offense. You say, hey, look, how are we going to get so-and-so the ball and so-and-so the ball? And if you're not doing that with your best players, then you're not doing game planning right. I guarantee you Alabama goes into every game saying, okay, how can we get Devontae Smith going? Okay, we're this week we're gonna move him around to this position and that position because these are this is areas where we can get matchups. Notre Dame needs to be doing that with with their best players. And here's the rub about Brayden Lindsay. You spend all this time in the offseason and you say, Hey, look, we're gonna get Brayden Lindsey involved. He's got too much speed. He's our, our most explosive player on a receiver. We got to get him going. So you invest this time in the summer on on we're going to, okay, this screen works for him. This route combination works for him. Hey, we can do these things with these players to get Brayden Lindsay going. And then you get out in fall camp and you practice those things and you give him those reps and you give him that opportunity and he starts making plays. And then a week before the first game of the season, he has another hamstring injury and he's out for two weeks or he's not healthy for a month or whatever the case may be. Or He has another concussion and you don't have him now. And you've invested all this time into saying, here's how we're going to get Brayden Lindsey going. And now he's not there. And so you have to figure out, okay, well, what do we do now? He does that who else can do what he can do? And I think there are some players that could maybe step into that role. And, and I would say there's more now than there was maybe a year or two ago when you look at a guy like Xavier Watts, when you look at a guy like Lorenzo Styles, I think there's more opportunities to replace that now. So there might be more wiggle room if Braden Lindsay doesn't step up. but it's a hard it's a hard decision to make for a coaching staff to say, we got this player that we love. We think he can be a difference maker, and it's clear how Notre Dame handled the season early last year that Braden Lindsey was going to be a focal point until he got banged up. And then when he came back against South Florida, I think he had like three touches on the first two two or three drives. It was clear they were focusing on, hey, they threw him a screen. They they were wanting to get him the football. They ran a bootleg right to him. It was obvious they wanted to try to get him going, and then he just got banged up, and he couldn't stay healthy. So do you invest all that time in him if he can't prove to stay healthy? And to me, that's why this spring is so important for Braden Lindsey. Even if he doesn't necessarily make a million plays, I don't care as much as just, is he out there for all 15 practices? I think that's the thing for me as a coaching staff that I'm more concerned about is we know what Braden Lindsey can do. Are there parts of his game he needs to improve? Yeah, he needs to get a lot better at getting off the line scrimmage. He is still too easily... Uh, jammed at the line of scrimmage by good corners. We saw this against Pitt last year. He has to learn to be a little bit more of a, you know, use his speed as a route runner better, use his hands more as a route runner better to get people off of him. There's some finer points of the game that he needs to get better at, but those things should not keep him from being an impact player because with the things that he can do, there's five or six things that he can do that you don't really need him to be great at, at route running. And if he's not good at getting off presses, then what you do with smart coaches is they'll say, okay, well, fine. We're going to, we're going to use off on an invert situation. So he's not right on the line. We'll invert him. We'll put him on the outside and then the slot guy can line up on the line, motion him around, get him moving. It's a lot harder to press a guy who's on the move. There's a lot of things that Notre Dame can do uh, to, to overcome some of the areas where his game hasn't quite evolved yet. Now, if his game evolves, that's great, but that's just, I mean, that's, that's an, that's an added bonus for me. There's a lot of things Brayden Lindsey can do that don't require him to be a precise route runner, at least for a good coaching staff. And I think Notre Dame has smart coaches, so I think they can utilize him. And I think they want to utilize him, but he has to prove that he can stay out there because they're not going to just invest all this time if he can't prove to stay out there. So I think that's the biggest thing for me for Brayden Lindsay for this spring is – Proving that you can be out there, proving that you have the hunger to be out there to to be a great player, and prove that this is something that's that's important to you. And if all those things happen, then I think Brain Lindsey could could go into the fall as a focal point of the offense. It doesn't even he doesn't have to be a starter. He doesn't have to be a sixty plus game snap game guy. Uh, I honestly would rather him not be a sixty plus snap per game guy. I'd rather see him around you know, 30 to 35, 40 snaps a game, rotating in with other players. Because two reasons. Number one, I like a deeper rotation. I look at it like this. Teams don't usually rotate corners, right? So if we get into the fourth quarter and you've got a fresh Braden Lindsay or a fresh Xavier Watts or a fresh Jordan Johnson or a fresh Lorenzo Styles or a fresh Lawrence Keys because they've been rotating and they're all about 25 to 35 snaps each. And yet corners got 60 snaps under his belt. That, split tenth of a second difference in him being a little bit more fatigued than my receivers could be the difference between a catching the ball for a 20-yard gain or catching the ball and he's a step behind you and that 20-yard gain turns into a 60-yard touchdown in the second half that stuff matters to me and that's why I like a rotation so I'd like to see him be part of rotation but when he's in the game focus on getting him the ball but before that Braden Lindsay's got a proving say out there so he is without a question my number one guy on last chance, you and, and here's the here's the situation that Braden Lindsey finds himself in, with Jordan Johnson now going into year two, with Lawrence Keys healthy, with Xavier Watts stepping up hopefully, with Lorenzo Styles now on campus. To me, there are a lot of young, talented players that you can say
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: If Braden can't stay healthy, we've got other options now. You, you didn't have as many options last year. You didn't have Jordan, they weren't going to play Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts. For whatever reason, they just weren't going to do it. You didn't have Lorenzo Styles. Lawrence Keyes was banged up all year last year. Kevin Austin was hurt last year. So you didn't have as many of those okay, well, he he, if he's healthy, he's going to be back out there because cause we just need him. Now you have a lot more of those options. And so if he's banged up again, you don't have to necessarily force him back into the mix and he comes back. Here's a chance he gets beat out because there's other really good playmakers. So that's where Braden's at. That's what he's got to prove. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Now, now, Vince Dadera, who's our football analyst, who's, who's not on the show today, but Vince is all about George Takis, and, and I get it. This is a talented young player. Well, he's not really young anymore. That's kind of why we're talking about him now. 6'6", 245, athletic, good hands, good route runner. He's really got all the tools, but he's had two issues. Number one, he's been banged up a little bit, and number two, he's been buried behind some really good tight ends. Tommy Tremble in his class. He was behind Brock Wright and Colt Komet. When he first got to campus, you had Alizé Mack was was on the, the Notre Dame football team, and he took away reps. And then, of course, last year, along comes Michael Mayer, the best tight end in the country, in my opinion, for his class. And now Michael Mayer has a chance in 2021 to become the best tight end in college football, period, regardless of class. So he's in another situation where there's there's that, and then you've got Kevin Bauman, who's an up and coming player, Kane Barong, who's from from everything I've been told is having a great winter and is a guy that's going to be pushing for playing time in the fall. So George Takis is in a situation now where you got to stay on the field, you got to be more consistent, you got to be able to overcome adversity a little bit more, not let those drops, those mistakes that you may have that all players have, then affect you to the point where they start compounding. And I think that's something that's hurt him in the past. And if he can be more, you know, just just get over it. Just move on. You're a talented player. Believe in yourself. Go out there and just get it done. Use it as fuel to go out there and dominate in the next rep. There's talent with George Takis that could really make this tight end unit dangerous and scary. Because you have Michael Mayer, who's just a complete tight end. You have a big 6'6 George Takis out there that can line up as an attached player, and I think I'd like him in the red zone, maybe lining up wide. If teams are willing to put a safety or a linebacker out there on him, I love that matchup, and then you've got Kane Barong, Kevin Bauman, so you could have a really dynamic tight end unit, and a tight end unit that maybe brings a little bit more in the pass game than what we saw last year, but if Takis doesn't step up, the reality is there's too much talent there to really invest a lot of time in him. He's got to step up this spring in a big way and say, hey, look, this is my chance. Hey, I know Kevin's working hard. I know Kane's really talented, but this is my this is mine. I got this. And if he does that, I, he's going to be a player this year for Notre Dame. And he's a guy that I could see catching 15 to 25 passes as that number two tight end and really bring some unique matchup advantages to the offense. If he doesn't step up this spring, then I think he's going to find himself beat out. I think he's going to find himself getting passed up. By Kane Barong, by Kevin Bauman. And I'd like to see him get that shot. And I hope he takes advantage of it because I do think George Takis can bring some really unique things to the Notre Dame offense. A couple players inside that we're going to talk about, and that is guards Dylan Gibbons and John Dirksen. Now, Brian Kelly mentioned on the first day of of spring practice that those two guys started at guard, which is we're we're not surprised by. We assumed that was going to happen. Dylan Gibbons at left guard and John Dirksen at right guard now they're in a situation where they've not neither has played a whole lot of snaps Dylan Gibbons has played more than John Dirksen but these are two guys that are big tough kids that have have been buried again behind really good players well now they get their shot to step into the starting lineup but you're not the, the the talent behind them is very good and although I think both Dylan Gibbons and Jock Dirksen are also talented in their own right you've got some excellent players kind of breathing down your neck if you're them and you can't afford to a get banged up. That's been an issue for Dylan Gibbons or B not be consistent with your execution or your effort, which has been an issue from what I'm told at times with John Dirksen. So I could easily see both of these guys stepping into the starting lineup and playing well. I I could see that. The issue is, is that there's there, they have, they have to step up this spring and, and seize hold of that starting lineup because I guarantee you the talent behind them is such that these guys aren't going to start simply because they're veterans. If they don't perform at a high level, they're going to get passed up quickly. Whether it's by the rising juniors, like Andrew Kristoff, who's playing left guard, Quinn Carroll, who's battling at right guard. Those are two of the top recruits from the 2019 class, two very talented and big uh, offensive linemen, especially Quinn Carroll. So, you know, John Dirksen doesn't step up. He's going to be in trouble. But the thing is, they're not just competing with the guards. Brian Kelly also stated something that we had had reported at Irish Breakdown, which is Josh Lugg's playing tackle right now, but there's a chance, and per, probably a good chance, that he eventually moves back to guard. Now, if so, you're looking at it where you're now competing against Tosh Baker and Blake Fisher and Michael Carmody and whoever else is playing tackle, because if those guys prove to be starters, then all of a sudden, you know, in really dynamic players and better than you. Then you're going to move Josh Lug and take to take one of those guard spots. So that makes it even more challenging for those guards and Dylan Gibbons and John Dirksen, in that you could end up getting beat out by somebody you're not even going against every day in practice at your position. Someone who you're not competing with at your position. It could end up being Josh Lugg's going to take your job because Tosh Baker or Michael Carmody or somebody else is there. Or if Josh Lugg is just too good at tackle and Tosh Baker's just too good at tackle, and they're going to leave those two guys there to give Notre Dame a great length at, at the tackle spots. Now all of a sudden, Jarrett Patterson's moving to take your spot. So these guys are really in a battle. And, and look, they're, Dylan Gibbons is a fifth-year guy. Maybe he could come back for a sixth year if he if he steps up and has a great year. Um, I, I don't see that. John Dirksen's a senior they're not going to bring him back unless he's a starter and a really good starter. So not only do they have to have seized hold of these jobs, but they have to play really, really good football to, to really secure that spot. If all things are equal, if, uh, if I'm going to go with the more talented player, the younger players are more talented players and they have to, so they can't be that they have to say, we're better. We're executing at a higher level. We're playing with more physicality because we're older. We've been in a weight room longer. We've been in the system longer. We know what's expected we're setting the standard every day. And if they're not doing that, then they're going to get passed up. If they do step up and perform well, then what you're going to see from Notre Dame is a very experienced offensive line. Josh Lugg is a fifth year senior. Uh, you, uh, Jared Patterson's going to be a senior. Dylan Gibbons is a fifth year senior. Zeke is a junior. John Dirksen's a senior. Those guys are veteran players. Now, not a ton of game experience with some of them, but still older veteran players which makes you feel like, hey, this offensive line's got a chance to be steady. Now, the, the thing for that they've got to battle is they provide steadiness. The younger players can potentially provide a little bit more impact. And so that's the rub that Notre Dame's coaches find themselves in is, is that dynamic. So that's where John Dirksen and Dylan Gibbons have to set themselves apart from an execution standpoint because if, if things are on a similar line and this really talented player's there but he's not executing at a high level – and I've got this veteran player who's maybe not quite as dynamic as that younger player, but he is out there just executing on a consistent basis, snap after snap after snap after snap. Then, as a football coach, I'm going with the older player who's who's I know is going to execute because that's going to limit some of the negatives that we're going to have. But if all things are equal and the executions at a, at a similar level and the consistencies at a similar level, you're going to go with the more talented player. At least you should. And so that's what that's what the, the battle, those guards uh, find themselves in. And if they don't seize hold of those jobs this spring, if they're not the clear, no doubt about a starter, at the very least, they're going to be in a rotation early in the fall. And at worst for them, they're going to find themselves getting beat out. And the last player I want to discuss is a little different situation because he's in a last chance situation, but it's not the same as the other players. Everybody else that I've talked and talked about on this, this list has been a guy that, you know, if you don't have a big spring, you're going to get beat out. The final player, Josh Lugg, is in a different situation. I have no doubt that Josh Lugg is going to be starting at Notre Dame this, this fall, especially in, in the spring. I think the only question is, where does he start? Does he start a right tackle? Do they move him to guard? Where is he going to end up playing? What's not in question for me is, is that he's going to be needed to be a big time player. And that's the last chance that Josh Lug has. Josh came into Notre Dame, a highly ranked recruit, and he's been a victim of circumstance, in my opinion. You know, Robert Hangey stepped up in that class and was a four-year starter, great player. So that's been a, a player in his class, steps up as a true freshman and locks down that position for four years. Then on the other side, You've got a player like Liam Eichenberg who's a year older than Josh Lugg, So he obviously has that experience. He steps in and he seizes that job. Another classmate, Aaron Banks, takes hold of a guard job. A veteran player, a guy that's older than Josh Lugg, takes over at right guard. Well, as we saw late last season, Josh is in the center. So he's been kind of buried behind some really good players. And he has had to be sort of that swing guy. We've seen him start games at guard. When Robert Hainsey got injured in 2019, Josh Lugg stepped in the lineup and played really good football in the final five games at right tackle. So the talent is there. We've seen him perform well at, at guard and especially at tackle, but he's just been buried behind guys that are about to be getting paid. The question for Josh Lugg is now that your time has come, how good are you going to be? Are you going to be able to improve your game? Are you going to be able to be more consistent, play with better pad level, uh, you know, not flash talent, but but just be consistently dominant. I think Josh is an incredibly talented player. I think he's a guy that could come out and be in the conversation for Notre Dame's best offensive lineman next year. He's got that kind of skill. He's 6'7", long arm, strong, physical. The tools are there for him to be a great player. And that's the last chance that we find ourselves in with Josh Lugg is this is his last chance to prove that he's a, he can be a dominant player. Now, when I say last chance, it, it's, it's it can mean one of two things. Number one is he goes out there as a fifth year senior and and dominates, and the next thing you know, he's he's looking at the NFL. He could you know maybe be a second third round NFL draft pick somewhere if he has a big jump at right tackle. The other option is is that he could come back for a sixth year because of the COVID situation, and if he plays well enough, Notre Dame is going to say, hey, we'd love to have you back. And and but the question here's a unique thing about Josh Lugg. My understanding from interviewing Josh when he was coming out of high school is Josh was younger than most of the players in his class he, by by almost a year, I believe. So he's not your typical fifth-year senior. He's actually more of the same age of, of guys who are seniors. So because of the COVID year, he could have potentially that six-year eligibility back. But he's got to play well enough this year to where, as a coaching staff, yes, there's a no-brainer. We would love to have Josh Lug back. I think for Josh, it would help him improve his draft stock. It's going to be hard for me to see a guy that just really started one year often jump up into the first or second round. If Josh could put together two great years, now we're talking about a guy that could maybe go be a a higher NFL draft pick. And because he won't be necessarily older compared to six-year seniors, I think that could benefit him as well. But you've got to earn that. And if he's just a good, solid player this year, I don't know as a coaching staff if you're going to want to tie up another scholarship in a guy who's just a good, solid player as a fifth-year senior. I mean, how much better can he get as a six-year senior is kind of the discussion you have as coaching staff. So Josh has to go out there and prove that he can be a really, really good football player. The tools are there. He's just got to go do it. Now, here's how it benefits Notre Dame specifically if Josh has that kind of breakout season. We know Jarrett Patterson's going to be a really good player. Even though he's going to move positions, I, I have no doubt that Jarrett Patterson is going to be really good no no matter where he plays. Josh is another very experienced player. He's got, I believe, nine starts under his belt. He's a fifth year senior. He's played a, a lot of snaps, and he's played some snaps in some high leverage situations. You know, he started. He started in ACC championship game. He started in in the North Carolina game. I remember. In 2018, he was coming in early at tight end, like kind of in a big alignment uh, against Michigan. Rotated a little bit against Michigan in 2018, and that big win. So he's played a lot of good football. The question with Josh is, if is he going to reach that full potential? And if he does, you now have two veteran, outstanding players to build your offensive line around. And that the difference between that and then one great veteran and one solid veteran is a big – it is a big difference between that and two guys who are just really, really darn good veteran players. then you can say, okay, well, where do we want to put these really good players? Do we want to leave them a tackle and move them to guard, wherever the case may be? But if you can build your offensive line around those two guys playing at their best, now all of a sudden you feel a lot better as a coaching staff and as a fan about what this offensive line is going to look like heading into the 2021 season because Josh Lug playing to his full potential – Gives you an outstanding football player, whether it be at right tackle, whether it be at right guard. I don't care where he plays, as long as it's not center. I think Josh Lugg has a chance to be an outstanding football player, but now's the time to to prove that he's got to have that kind of big spring that that serves as sort of that springboard to the uh, the fall where he builds the confidence in himself. He builds a level of consistency, a level of comfort at that position wherever he's going to play to where Josh believes he's as good as I think he can be, as good as his teammates, former teammates, think he can be, and as good as I think the Notre Dame coaches can think he can be. I don't think Josh Lugg was moved around from tackle to guard to center and all these different things last year just because he was the most experienced guy. I think they moved him around because they know he's really good and they're hoping to find a way to get him onto the field. And those are the opportunities to do that. So I think there's a lot of confidence that Josh Lugg can be that player But now it's up to him. You know, you've got to mature as a player. You've got to be more consistent as a player. You have to have more confidence in yourself as a player. You've got to be more of a student of the game. All those things are there for Josh Lug. And if he can prove that, I think he could be an outstanding player for Notre Dame this year and be a guy that you say, okay, now you have two anchors, veteran anchors, to build your offensive line around. And if that happens, and if we're talking about Josh Lug, boy, Josh Lug has really stepped up this spring. He's really emerged he's taken off, he's dominant, he's leading, all those kind of things, I'm going to feel really good about the direction of the Notre Dame offensive line. So that's the last chance opportunity that Josh Lugg has. And if he doesn't take advantage, he'll start this year, barring injury, and he'll he'll play well. I'm, I'm still a little concerned about his back. I, that obviously is something that's kind of been a bugaboo, but never something that's kept them from playing uh, a whole lot. So that's that's the thing. There is if if he does that, he'll still start. He'll be a solid player. The line won't be quite as good, and he's not coming back in 2022. And he's probably not a guy that's going to get drafted, or at least not drafted very high in the in the 2022 NFL draft. So there's a lot at stake for Josh Lugg, and not just for him, Percy, but also the entire Notre Dame offense. So that is it for last chance. You breakdown. Uh, not as many impact potential impact players on offense as there is on defense there's definitely one in brayden lindsey at the skill position definitely one in the offensive line and uh, josh Lug. george Takis potentially could be a really good player defensively there's guys that could be complete deep cha- game changers on defense offense not quite as many but the more guys that hit on these two positions offensive line tight end receiver and then defensively so offense and defense those two spots if those if the more of the guys in this last chance you break down step up, the better Notre Dame is going to be. A potential game changer at wide receiver would be huge. Houston Griffith stepping up at safety would be huge. Shane Simon stepping up at linebacker would be huge. So we've talked about all those guys and now we've talked we're talking about the offense. So if these top guys step up, play to their potential, stay healthy and be what I know they can be and what I believe the coaches know they can be you're going to talk about this Notre Dame football team having an opportunity because of those players to go out there and not only repeat what they've done, but close the gap and become even closer to being able to play with and potentially eventually beat those top teams. So that is going to be it for us. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Sub- hit the subscri- subscribe button, hit that notification bell so you get all of our podcasts sent right to you and a notification that you have. it. if you're listening on podcasts, thank you so much. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give us a five-star rating. And if you are a loyal subscriber of our website, we appreciate that. We're hoping to have some big news here very soon uh, about what we've got going on with the site, but we thank you for that. Always, and if you're not a a, a loyal watcher and reader of our website, please start doing so. You can sign up for the Irish Breakdown free newsletter. You'll get our top five stories sent to your mailbox every morning. Uh, And you can check all that out. So for all of you, however you listen and watch, thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. We'll have some pro day coverage coming up. We're going to have some recruiting stuff coming up. And of course, we'll be back on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for our live mailbag. So we'll talk to you again very soon.